This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Thank you, Sid. I'm Donna Chavis, and today on Messianic Vision, our guest is international speaker, world-class teacher, and best-selling author, John Bevere. Welcome to Messianic Vision, John. Hi, Donna. It's so great to be with you and the whole team there. I just love you guys. I love what you do. (laughs) We love you, too. Well, John's talking about a subject today that draws the attention of all mankind. It doesn't matter your race, your age, gender, religion, and what I'm talking about is eternity. John, you wrote the book, Driven by Eternity. Tell me about the core message in that book. Well, the book was written, you know, first of all, let me, let me share how it all happened. I, I, was, I was out praying one morning, and God very clearly said to me, I want you to write a book on eternity, specifically on the judgment seat. And I, I'll never forget, Donna, I, I, was, I, was, I just stopped because there, there's a golf course in my backyard where I pray, okay? And I go out there before it gets light, you know, so nobody's out there. And I said, God, I've maybe preached on this 20 minutes my entire life. How can I write a book on this? And the Lord said, nothing. I mean, that was it. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've learned through experience the hard way that when God gets quiet about something after he's told you to do it, it's like, hey, do it. So it ends up that the book turned out to be the longest book I've ever written before. It just shows you how amazing the Holy Spirit is. But the, the core message of this, of this book is the judgment seats of Christ. There is the great white throne judgment for those who do not know Jesus Christ, and there is the judgment seat of Christ. And what this book addresses, about one-third of it is the white throne, and two-thirds is the believer's judgment. And Donna, as I got into this message, what I did, first of all, I said, because I, I really had only preached on it for 20 minutes, I went to eight different versions of the Bible, and I got every single scripture in those eight different versions that had to do with rewards, judgment, eternity, and the judgment seats. And I ended up getting a thick notebook when I put it together in a three-ring binder, a thick notebook. And I did nothing but meditate on those scriptures for one solid month before I wrote a word. And what I realized, I came to realize, was this. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that the elementary doctrine of Christ or elementary teaching of Christ is six teachings. The sixth one is eternal rewards and judgment. And what I realized, Donna, is I didn't know much about the judgment seats. Most Christians don't know much about the judgment seats. So let's stop and think about what we get in elementary school. We get in elementary school how to read, how to write, how to add, how to subtract. And what the Holy Spirit challenged me on was this. Can you imagine building your high school education or a college education not knowing how to read, write, add, or subtract? No. And the realization hit me, how many of us, and I was included in this number, are building our Christian lives without knowing how to read, write, add, or subtract in the knowledge of God? And so I realized this, this book 
was profoundly important. And after finished writing it, I have to say there's no book of the 19 books that God has had me write that has impacted me personally more than this book. So you're you're saying I read the book myself and I have to encourage everybody out there to to please please get this because what you're saying is so important that that the things that we learn and the way that we live our lives here on earth actually can shape our eternal existence. Correct. And we all know that what we do with the cross determines where we're going to spend eternity. I mean, almost every listener that's listening to us now knows that. If you embrace the cross, you will spend eternity with, with our Creator, with Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. If you reject the cross, you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. We all know that as Christians. What I didn't realize, and what many Christians don't realize, is that the way we live as believers— determines how we're going to spend eternity. Wow. When I looked when I looked at e- Hebrews chapter 6, it says eternal judgment. Now, the problem is when we hear the word judgment, everybody out there kind of goes, "Ah, we flinch." And we yeah. go, <laughs> I know. Um, right? Right, exactly. Hey, the word judgment, right? The word judgment simply means this, a decision. Mm. It means a decision resulting from an investigation. So now Put that together, one of the foundational doctrines of Christ is eternal decisions. So every one of us as believers is going to stand before Jesus Christ as our judge. Not only is he our Savior, but he's going to judge our life. Now, don't get scared again because I said judge. He's going to examine our lives and make decisions Mm -hmm. based off of how we lived as Christians. You know what, John? Let Let me say this right there. You're talking about how we live right here. You made the analogy of of an experiment if you were a part of an experiment uh for the next 24 hours and it would determine the rest of your life uh right what difference would that make right so the where i got that from is eternal means forever and ever james says this life is a vapor if james was alive today he would have said this life is zero because any finite number divided by infinity is equal to zero we all know that and from or from grade school math. Yes. So 100 years, let's say we live to be 100 years, if you divide it by eternity, you get zero. So what James is saying is this, this life here on this earth is zero compared to eternity. So if you put that in regard to the judgment seat, what you and I were just talking about, the decisions that Jesus makes over our lives at that judgment seat, they're going to be eternal. There's never going to be any changes, any revisions, any alterations. And the Bible clearly states that decisions that he makes over our life are going to range from anywhere. Now, I'm talking about believers. Range anywhere from having everything we did burned up all the way to spending eternity reigning beside him. Now, that's a vast, vast range. That's a big difference. So it's a huge difference. So what the Bible shows us very clearly is what we do on this earth is going to determine how we're going to spend eternity. So here's the experiment. Here's where I'm trying to get people to relate to this. If, if, someone's, if someone was to approach you, let's say I'm, I'm talking to our listeners now. I'm going to speak to one listener. If somebody approached you and said the way you live the, the next day, the next 24 hours, it's going to determine how you spend the next 1,000 years. So let's just imagine we could live 1,000 years. Now, if we went back 1,000 years for reference, we would be going back before Christopher Columbus sailed. We would be going back at the very early stages of the British Empire. 
a thousand years is a long time. But the, the car you drive, the house you live in, the neighborhood you live in, the neighbors you're next to, the people you work with, the job you do for the next thousand years is going to be determined how you live the next 24 hours one day. Now, how would we live that one day? Would we live it with intention or would we, you know, just take, take it by chance? Would we just say, oh, whatever will be, will be? No, I guarantee you, if we really face that situation, we would live the next 24 hours with intentional living. But yet that's nothing compared to what we're talking about because one day divided by 365,000 days, the number of days in 1,000 years is still a finite number. So let's say we go further. Let's say the way you live the next 24 hours is going to determine the way you spend the next million years. Now, we don't even comprehend that because Adam was 6,000 years ago, so we don't even have a reference point for a million years. So the job you do, the people you work with for the next million years is going to be determined. But that's nothing compared to what we're talking about because one day divided by 365 million days, the number of days in a million years, is still a finite number. So we have to realize what we do in this zero time, as James said it, determines how we're going to spend eternity. You, you tell of a friend that you had uh, who was an atheist. I mean, in fact, he was very belligerent to anyone who would uh, even try to witness to him or show him anything in the Bible or whatever. And that person actually got a glimpse of eternity. He did. He was a surgeon, and he um, was very much against Christianity. Uh, any, he actually shared that anybody that would try to, to share with him, back then, you know, somebody had opened their Bible trying to show the, him the Scripture. He literally threw, took the person's Bible out of their hand, threw it on the ground, and stomped on it. Wow. So he was a staunch atheist, and he wouldn't let anybody talk to him about Jesus because he was one of the top surgeons in his entire state. He had a lot of authority and had a lot of say-so, so he could just push people away. Well, what happened was he was at a football game in California and sent some very alarming symptoms in his body. He, as a surgeon, knew something was wrong, but he didn't want anybody touching his body except for the doctors he knew back home. So he got in his private jet, he flew back, and they opened him up. And when they opened him up, they closed him back up and said, there is absolutely nothing we can do. Sign what you got to sign. Do what you got to do because you're going to be dead within 24 hours. Well, he said as he laid in the hospital bed that night, he realized he was – this is his terminology. He was going to the house, and it was the wrong house. Mm. Now, what's interesting is here's a staunch atheist who knew that he was going to spend eternity in the wrong place. How did, Why how did he know that? I mean, I, I asked that same question when I was reading the book. How did he know that? Because the Bible says that God has put eternity in our hearts. Hmm. That's why the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. You know, it doesn't say the fool has said in his head there's no God. To the fool has said in his heart. If you look at him, he had determined there was no God in his head, but he was still had a sensitivity to his own heart, what God had placed in him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that God has placed the knowledge of him, even his eternal Godhead, in, into every single human being. So we see it both in Ecclesiastics, we see it in Romans chapter 1. He knew he was about to enter into eternity, and he knew he just wouldn't cease to exist. Well, that night, he died twice. Both times, he was pulled down into darkness. He said the darkness was so thick 
that he said if he would have waved his hand in front of his face, he wouldn't have seen a thing. He said it was so thick, he felt like he was wearing the darkness. He said, I started descending at a very rapid rate, and he said, somehow I knew I was descending into the middle of the earth. And he said, as I was descending, it seemed like the rate kept getting faster, and the more I descended, the greater the fear became. And he said that he didn't think the fear could become any greater, but every but it seemed the, the lower he went, the greater it became. He said, then he started hearing the screams, the horrific, terrifying screams. He said it literally would cause blood to freeze in your veins. Those screams were so horrifying. He got right to the entrance of hell, and a voice, a voice spoke and said, release him. He came back up into his body. And they revived him. What happened was doctors and nurses were, were reviving him. He slipped out again, and he went down. He saw the same thing. He came back up, saw the doctors working on him, and so they were able to keep him stable that night. It was, it was, it was like late at night. The next morning, there had only been one doctor that had ever gotten through to him. He called the doctor. The doctor came in, shared Jesus. He got saved and miraculously walked out of that hospital three weeks later. He lived right up till just recently, and he went all over the world telling people about Jesus. And, and this was many years ago, correct? Y yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was back in the late 80s. And so it just shows that everybody listening to us right now, Donna, whether, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, you know eternity. You know eternity exists. I mean, Arthur Stace was an Australian man who heard his pastor one time say, I wish I could shout eternity throughout every single hall in Australia. And so he took it upon himself to start writing eternity from early in the morning hours on sidewalks all over Sydney, Australia. And he became very famous because people would literally stop and stare at that word because that word eternity, it's been put in our heart. We know it. And it touches something in every human being that mm -hmm. they know exists. You know what? That's right. And when we're thinking about eternity, uh, do you feel like, uh, I know you, you minister to thousands of people all over the world all the time. Do you feel like that most people really want their life to count? I, I do believe that, Donna. But I think, I think sometimes when it comes to Christians, um, I think sometimes they have felt so condemned or even other Christians have made them feel so condemned or even ministers have made them feel so condemned they feel like they could never do anything worthwhile for God when the answer is not true to that the answer is God gives us the ability to serve him he gives us the ability to fulfill what he placed us here on this earth to do there are so many people Donna that think well I'm a businessman I'm a businesswoman I'm a mom I got screaming kids running around my house every single human being has been given the privilege to not only be saved and become a part of the family of God, but we've been given the privilege of being able to build the kingdom of God. And we don't do it in our own strength. God supplies the ability to do it. And so that's why there's a desire. With that knowledge in our heart of eternity is that same desire to make a difference for eternity. But so many people don't know how to do it. John, I, I've been a Christian since I was a teenager, and, and literally I have heard this question most of my life. People say, as Christians, you know, our sins are forgiven, so, you know, we don't have to worry about the judgment. But 
I don't see that in your teaching here. Will we face, as Christians, will we face the judgment? We will face judgment, but we will not be judged according to our sins. So in other words, our sins have been obliterated by the blood of Jesus, okay, as believers. But what we are going to face, and the Bible makes this very clear, is how do we live for God in our bodies in this earth? How did we build his kingdom, or did we neglect building his kingdom? That's why Paul says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that there's no other foundation that can be laid other than Christ. He's the foundation of getting into the family of God and building the house of God. But he said, let each man be very careful how he builds, each man or woman. So he's talking about building other people's lives. We have the choice every single moment of every day to build lives in the light of eternity by what? Encouraging. Or if we see somebody that is headed towards destruction because of willful sin, we challenge them. We correct them out of a heart of love. When we do things like this, when we give into the kingdom, pray for people, all these things, we're helping to build the kingdom of God. That is what we will be judged for. You know, Donna, we did, um, because this is the problem. I, I said to God, how in the world do I teach this? I remember before I wrote this book, I said, how can I teach this? And the Lord said to me, do what I did. I heard it so clear. He said, tell a story. That it was a fantastic word from the Lord, John, because I have heard that story and I've listened to that story and it is amazing. And actually later on in the program, we're going to hear more about that and also let our listeners get a little bit of taste of that. I'm going to actually play a, um, maybe a little clip from from the story, which is called an epic audio theater <laughs> so when you hear it you'll we know actually pr- we actually produced that in hollywood too donna yes yes i can imagine i mean it sounds like something out of hollywood but with a message that the folks are just uh it's it's going to be amazing but right now before we go to break i want to touch on a couple of other little things um we were talking about um facing the judgment and you said as christians you know we're not going to be judged for our sin because you know jesus took care of that but you talk about right. two two main areas that we're judged in Right. When I, when I got those scriptures and I meditated on them for a month, I realized that the scriptures show that believers are going to be judged in two major areas. Number one, our involvement in building the kingdom of God. Okay. Now, number two, our, our influence on individual lives, our personal influence. Yes. So uh, with others, how we influenced other people towards the kingdom. With our own lives, did we obey the Word of God and build Christ-like character in our own lives? So really, it's actually three areas, how we built the kingdom, secondly, how we influenced other people individually, and thirdly, how we cooperated with the Holy Spirit in obedience to the Word of God and building Christ-like character in our own life. Those are the areas we will be examined by. So it's it's that's not really saying you're you're not going to be judged according to what you did, but rather to what you were called to do. And and, and that is an amazing amazing um, aspect of this book. That as I studied the scripture, I realized that in regard to our calling, not our personal influence. I'm talking about our callings. We're not going to be judged on what we did, but rather what we were called to do. If you look at Psalm 139, it says in verse 16, it says, Every day of our lives was written in a book before a single day began. So 
God wrote a book about every human being's life before we were born. In that book, he wrote down what he designed for us to do on this earth. And so I can envision this at the judgment seat. Jesus saying something like this, Evangelist Anderson, step forward, please. And you see this guy coming before the throne going, ah, oh, Jesus, don't you mean uh, accountant Anderson? I had an accounting <laughs> firm. I helped ministry set up their financials. Um, I was an accountant. He goes, Evangelist Anderson, I called you to win 352,576 souls in Asia for me. Where are those souls? According to the Apostle Paul, everything he's done will be burned up. But then you may have this scenario. You may have Jesus saying, Accountant Jones, step forward, please. And you have this guy coming up, and he's trembling. He's going, don't you mean Pastor Jones? I, I, I pastored a church. I had 900 members. Uh, I pastored that church for 35 years. Accountant Jones, I called you to be a bright, shining light in the marketplace of America. Had you done this? You would have helped many ministries with their books, and they would have been able to do more because of your counsel to them. You would have impacted your community in the business world through this and that. Also, I wanted you to be head usher of the church across town where you started your church. Had you done that, all 26,772 souls that that little thousand-member church would have impacted, you would have been given full credit for it. But then he's going to have everything burned up. So it's amazing to me how how lightly we take what God has put us on this earth to do. I have a friend who's a Navy SEAL, but he went to Bible school because he loved God so much. He wanted to serve God. He wanted to give his life in the ministry. And after two years of Bible school and an interning in a church, he got accused of sleeping with a girl, and they basically pushed him out, and everything was gone after three years of work. And he was on his face crying out to God, and God spoke to him, and he said, Son, I didn't call you to ministry. I called you to military. He ended up becoming a Navy SEAL, and I sat with him last year for two hours at dinner, and the hairs on my arms stood up when he told me the miraculous stories of how God had delivered him and his squad, his team, and the miraculous things that has happened. He literally knew he was supposed to become a SEAL, yet he couldn't swim. He had to teach himself how to swim. He had operation on his ears when he was a young boy. He had to put tubes in his ears because his ear canals were so narrow. When he went anywhere more than two feet underwater, even got a few drops of water in his ear, he told me later. He said, I was in excruciating pain. He said, God healed my ears. I taught myself how to swim. And now he's not only a Navy SEAL after 17 years or 18 years now, he's now a Navy SEAL instructor. John, I, getting back to what we were talking about a, a couple of minutes ago, uh, I, I've read in your book that the key that's going to give us the confidence on Judgment Day is the love of God being made perfect within us or mature within us. Correct. That's what the Bible says. What gives us confidence on Judgment Day in 1 John four seventeen is our love, the love of God, our love for God and our love for his people. And... But you, you have to remember, what is the love of God? And First John says, this is the love of God, that we keep his word. Yes. It says, whoever, in First John 2, 4, and 5, it says, whoever says, I know God, but fails to keep and obey his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But he who keeps his word truly in him has the love of God and for God been perfected. So when we walk 
in obedience to him, in his love, we will have confidence on that day. That's amazing. Well, you've been listening to John Bevere, and today we're making available to you John's book, Driven by Eternity, which paints a very vivid picture of how our lives here on earth actually shape our eternal existence. Also, the epic audio theater, Affabel, Window of Eternity. You'll also get John's message called Your Place in God's Custom House. Well, when we come back, John talks about something that everyone loves, rewards. I know I love rewards. We'll be right back. Most believers in Messiah believe that they are heaven-bound. But did you know that what we will be doing for all of eternity depends on one key thing? What we do with the cross determines where we're going to spend eternity. Most Christians know that. However, the way we live as believers determines how we're going to spend eternity. Eternity is so long, and so what we're doing now is preparing ourselves for our eternal. God has downloaded to John Bevere truths about our future life in eternity and what we can do now to assure we will receive great rewards in heaven. Call now and get John Bevere's powerful book, Driven by Eternity, and his epic audio theater, Affabel, Window of Eternity, on three audio CDs, plus his life-changing audio CD message entitled, Called, Your Place in God's Custom House. Yours for a donation of $45. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9436. Through John's powerful over 290-page book, Driven by Eternity, he demystifies the afterlife. You will learn that life beyond the final breath is much more than a destination. Discover now how you can make your life count both for today and forever. Your choices today will impact your destiny forever. Find supernatural peace and hope as this book reminds you to align your life with God's higher calling and destiny. The book includes discussion questions for groups study. You will also receive John Bevere's epic audio theater, Affabel, Window of Eternity, on three audio CDs. When you listen to this audio drama, you will feel as if you have been translated into a heavenly dimension. Charity, my dear servant, welcome to my kingdom. I've longed for this moment to meet you in person. A cast of nine Hollywood actors featuring John Rhys Davis from Lord of the Rings and an original musical score by one of Disney's best composers will offer you a window of what lies beyond your earthly reality. This is a perfect gift to give to each of your children, family, and friends. Plus, you will receive John Bevere's life-changing message entitled, Call, Your Place in God's Custom House. Have you felt that tug inside of you insisting that you were destined for something? Through this life-changing message, you will understand that God wrote a story about you before your life began. God longs to see you live this story well. Your unique contribution is critical to the construction of God's house. You have been called and empowered to fulfill God's special purpose and destiny. Sid Roth says, What a powerful anointing on the audio theater, Affabel, the book Driven by Eternity, and the teaching CD entitled Call the anointing, it's going to break through the walls designed by the enemy to prevent you from fulfilling your full destiny and your full reward. Don't miss out on getting John Bevere's powerful book, Driven by Eternity, and his epic audio theater, Affabel, Window of Eternity, on three audio CDs, plus his life-changing audio CD message entitled, Called, Your Place in God's Custom House, yours for a donation of $45. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9436. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural, P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. 
Please specify offer number 9436 or log on to SidRoth.org. Call or write today. Well, I'm back with John Bevere, and as I said before we went to break, everybody loves rewards, but I don't think we can talk about rewards unless we talk about the judgments as well. Is that right, John? That's right. And again, I don't want people getting scared when they hear the word judgment. Right, judgment. right. <laughs> I like the way you explain it. Yes. A decision resulting from an investigation. Let me tell you, when you have someone, your creator, who died for you, gave his life for you, he's not going to make decisions over your life like some human beings would. He's going to make decisions over your life in a very just and a full of love way. And there's a scripture that I find to be very interesting, Donna. And John the Apostle wrote this scripture actually when he was in his 90s. And there's something I've learned about people that are really old that have walked with God for years. I mean, think about John. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos because they tried to martyr him, put him in a boiling vat of oil. They can't kill him, so they put him on a desert island. Gets the book of Revelation. I mean, this guy is amazing. And he writes these words in 2 John, verse 8. He says, see, now listen, I'm going to quote this verse. Okay. See that you do not lose the things you worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Now, I was meditating on that scripture one day, Donna, and I realized John didn't say this, see that you receive a reward. He specifically said, see that you receive a full reward. And the Holy Spirit arrested me right there and said, for there to be a full reward means what? That means there's a partial reward scenario and there's a no reward scenario. Now, John doesn't write us and say, oh, my little children who I love so much, which he did. Remember, he's got a father's heart. He said, hey, live in such a way that you're going to get a partial reward. He said, no, live in the way that you're going to get a full reward. Now, if you look at what the New Testament teaches, the rewards range vastly. Paul said there are actually people that are going to be saved. They're going to enter into heaven, but they're going to be saved like coming through a wall of fire. Can you imagine? I, I just want, I want our listeners to think this through. Can you imagine the day you retire, your bank closes its doors and you lose all your savings? The day you retire, Social Security goes bankrupt. There's no government funding. The day you retire also, your house burns to the ground. We as Americans can't comprehend that. There are people in third and developing nations, third world and developing nations that can comprehend that, but we can't as Americans. But yet that's the language that Paul uses to describe how some Christians are going to enter into eternity. He said they're going to come through as through a wall of flames, but yet they'll still be saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he makes that very clear. Then you also have John writing over in the book of Revelation that there are going to be people that actually rule and reign with Christ right beside him forever and ever and ever. So the full reward would be reigning beside Christ. The no reward scenario would be having everything burned up, and everything else in the middle is the partial reward. So I want everyone to listen to me, who we're talking to right now. The Word of God exhorts us to live in such a way that we're going to get a full reward. Now, I want to speak as a father. I have four sons, and I remember our four sons were all sitting around the table. They were about the ages of 16 down to 8 years old, I, um, the oldest being 16, the youngest being 8. 
And I looked at my boys and I said, you know, guys, you can never do a thing to make your mother and I love you more than we love you. And you can't do a thing to make us love you any less than we love you. And you could just see all four of them went, thanks, Dad. I mean, it just brought such comfort, such security in them. But then I said to them, I said, but you are in charge of how pleased we are with you. Wow. And they just looked at us. <laughs> now, if, if you look at what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, he said if, when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. In, in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we know right there, Paul's not talking to all humanity. He's talking to only Christians. Because when an unbeliever is absent from the body, they're in hell. I'm not trying to be harsh. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that's a fact, okay? Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. So we know Paul's talking to Christians. So the very next verse, verse 8, you know what he says? He says, therefore, we make it our goal to be well-pleasing to him. For, because we're all going to stand, he's talking about Christians only here, before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So Paul right there says, you can't do a thing to make God love you any more than he loves you. You can't do a thing to make him love you any less than he loves you. He died for you. I mean, man, that's amazing. But we are in charge of how pleased he is with us. That's why Paul said we make it our goal to be not just pleasing, but well-pleasing to him. And the reason we live to be well-pleasing is because we're going to stand before that judgment seat and either suffer loss or receive rewards. I like the way you put that when you're talking about the judgment seat. You said it's God's will that we know this in advance. It is. Because let me tell you, as a father, okay, I want to reward my sons. I have a passionate desire to reward them. But as a wise father, somebody who is has gotten older and wiser, I've learned that I will not reward my sons unless they deserve it or earned it. So they don't earn my love, but they do deserve or earn rewards. So if we know that in advance, then we can work on earning and laboring actually for the rewards, the full reward that you're talking about. See, one of, one of my sons, when he, was, when he was young, he just hated school. He actually said, I don't believe in teachers. And my, and my wife said, what? And he said, well, Tiffany in my class, she doesn't believe in doctors. I don't believe in teachers. And he was trying to say, I don't want to do this homework. Well, we had told him, they were all going for a skating party. They were all young. And we had told them, get your homework done, and you get to go to the skating party. Well, he didn't do it. So his three brothers went to the skating party. And he didn't. And he, you know, kind of wept. And he looked at my wife and said, I don't believe in teachers. <laughs> and my wife had to keep from laughing hysterically. Well, that's the way he was brought up. Today, this young man is so creative. He ended up becoming the youngest genius for <laughs> Apple Computer in the entire state of Colorado. Wow. <laughs> but we did not reward his laziness. He found out at a very young age, okay. I know my mom and dad loved me. We made that abundantly clear. We told him every day we loved him. But he realized, I'm going to lose out and miss out on some rewards in life if I don't get busy. 
That's right. Now today, he is one of the most he is one of the most gifted young men I know. Period. That's great. That's amazing, uh, John. I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, when you first got this message, you said that God spoke to you and asked you to preach this message everywhere you went. Now I know you preach all over the world, and you preached this message. Uh, you've been ministering what almost twenty years, and this is a message. Is this the only message that God has asked you to preach for an extended period of time? Twenty-five years, I've been ministering all over the world. And there's been two messages God told me to do this on. This is one. And the other one was when I wrote on the grace of God, which was another book. And so um, that's the only two times I've had the Lord in 25 years say to me, everywhere I send you, I want you to speak on this. And how, how long did you speak on this everywhere you went? I think it was 18 months. And wow. Now... Here it is, you know, at the 10-year anniversary. I've never done this with another book. Well, we, the publisher did Beta Satan's 20-year anniversary, but I really told my team, I said, there's a, another generation, there's another group of people that we're reaching right now that need this message because it's so important. And so that's why we're relaunching this book, and, and you know, I've updated it. I've added about 6,000 words. I've cut out about 4,000 words, so it's all updated, new stories, fresh stories, because I personally believe that this this book, I mean, I remember one guy was actually in the, the, the syndicate, and he wouldn't listen to anybody. And his family prayed for him for years. He wouldn't listen to him. And he uh, lost a bet to a friend. And uh, the friend said, if you lose the bet, you've got to come hear one of John Bevere's messages. And I was <laughs> preaching on Driven by Eternity. The guy got saved. He ended up reading the book from cover to cover, started passing it out to all of his friends and was killed two weeks later. So here's a guy that was in the syndicate, um, and he, his wife actually buried him with the books in his coffee, with that book and the fiction book that I wrote called Rescued, which is a compliment book. She buried him with those books in the open casket and then left them in there when they closed the casket because it's, it's so impacted his life. And, and that's why I'm passionate about this. That's why I'm circling back to it, because I felt like the Lord put it in my heart that there is a young generation, and there are many other people, because in the last 10 years he's given me a more wide voice that need this message. And that's why I'm giving it attention again, Donna. That's great, John. I've, I've enjoyed it so much. I'm sure every person that gets it is going to. Um, you're talking about eternity and, and working intentionally uh, for the rewards, that, that the full reward uh, in eternity, that we can actually have a place in, in eternity and in God's house when we get there. Uh, tell me some of the components to finding and fulfilling our destiny and our place in, in eternity. Well, you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, as I was reading and meditating on all the scriptures, I noticed that God keeps referring to us, his people, as builders. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. The stone which the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. Paul talks about let each man be careful how he builds. And mm-hmm. I started seeing building, building, building. And what God showed me, Donna, is that he's building a custom home. <laughs> And he calls that custom home Zion, and that's where he's going to dwell forever and ever and ever. And that custom home is being built. And you know what that custom home is being built out of? People. See, if you look at Jesus, he's the chief corner stone. If you look at what the Bible says about us, we're living 
stoned. Right. It says yes. First Peter chapter two. So God's constructing this house out of living stones, being people, and that's where He's going to dwell forever and ever and ever. And the Lord said, "This is my house. I have greatly desired it." He says that in the book of Psalms. And so, when when a custom home builder builds a home, he has to bring in subs. Okay, so Lisa and I, one time in our in all of our 33, 34 years of marriage, did, were we able to build a custom home? Is because a custom home builder in our town was really impacted by our books, and he said, "John, I want to build you a custom home." We lived in a little track home at the time. We're like, "Listen, you are one of the greatest custom home builders in all this city of, of Orlando, Florida." And he was like, John, I'm going to do this for nothing. I'm going to give you a God price. And he literally built the home and didn't make one penny off of it. But I'll never forget when he came to our little track house and he put out a blank piece of paper and said, draw your dream house. And my wife and I just looked at each other like, what? We were so used to having these little you know, track homes that you had to <laughs> pick. You, know, there, you couldn't pick anything. You couldn't redesign anything. He said, just draw out your dream home. So we drew it out and we watched him send it and the blueprints came back. And I started watching these guys build our home. Well, what I realized was he as the builder had a very important job. He had to do two things. He had to order the materials for the house. And the second thing, he had to bring in the subcontractors. And the subcontractors are one that build the house. He never nailed a nail into that house. So I watched him bring out the, the foundation layers, the framers, the electricians, the drywallers, the sheetrock, the insulation guys, the window guys. All these different subcontractors had different responsibilities, but he scheduled them. Well, if you look at if you look at God's custom home, we're all part of the building material of the house. He chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world, the Bible says in Ephesians one four. But then he has to schedule out the subs. And what are the subs? They 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 are us and God gives each of us a responsibility on what we're gonna do in building his house. And if we don't do it correctly, then he's going to have to tear out what we do and send in somebody to do it else to do it for us. But he's going to get his house done. So what God has given us the privilege of, to do is by his grace build his custom house. That's why the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. So here we have this privilege of building this dwelling place. Now, I want you to think about this. Let's say that your child is at school and your school – let's say you live in, in Maryland – and the school says let, – let, let's just go back many years. The school says, hey, for field trip today, we're going to go see the White House. Oh, the kids are so excited. And, and, and your son comes home or your daughter comes home and says, we're going on a field trip. We're going to see where the president of the United States lives. And you as the parent look at your child and go, well, I happen to do all the plumbing in that house. And your child goes, what? You did? <laughs> so the, you said, yeah, I'll actually go out there with you. So the whole school goes out there. Can you imagine – what that child would think, telling his schoolmate, my dad was one of the guys that helped build that house. Well, here's the thing. In Micah chapter, I believe it's four, it says all the nations in the new heavens and the earth are going to come to the house of the Lord called Zion. And they're going to behold how beautiful it is. And what's amazing, Donna, is all of us are going to be able to look at them and say, we had the privilege of getting to build some of this house. And we can show people our involvement and where we built, where God's going to dwell for eternity. And so God has given us a great privilege of building his custom home that he's going to dwell in forever and ever and ever. The White House someday is going to be torn down, but the God's house will never, ever be torn down. 
John, let me ask you this uh, for those out there that are thinking, you know, but but I don't know what I'm called to do, you know, and, and maybe I haven't been living for eternal rewards and I don't know what I'm supposed to do in God's custom house. Is it too late? No. If you look at, um, and remember what we said in either this, this segment or the last segment, God has called to us to different places, some of us to the marketplace, some of us to be moms, some of us to be school teachers, some of us to be in the medical field. He's called all of us to different areas and walks of life, but all of us to build the kingdom. But if you, if you look at this, there are, there are going to be people that, that go, but what am I called to do? Well, there's three things I see in the Scripture that we need to do in order to discover what we're called to do. Number one, we've got to seek God diligently. The Bible says God rewards those who diligently seek Him in faith, not those who casually seek Him in wonder and doubt. The first thing we do is we seek God. I remember when I was in college, I was studying engineering. But I felt this pull and this tug in my heart towards ministry. My mom and dad weren't really for it. My mom actually said, you'll go to Bible school over my dead body. Oh, no. My senior, yeah, my senior year, I, I stayed back during Thanksgiving break in my fraternity house at Purdue University, and I fasted for four days. And I said, God, i got to know why you put me on this earth. And God showed me. You're called to ministry. I've called you to ministry, and then confirmed it through several other pastors and leaders. Second thing we got to do is we got to get planted in the house of God. We've got to get planted into a local church. The Bible says those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. If you plant an apricot seed, it doesn't turn into an apple tree. If you plant a corn seed, it doesn't turn into a cotton uh, a cotton stalk. We plant ourselves in the house of God. We flourish into what he's created us to do. Somebody's sitting there, like you said, and said, but I'm in my 50s. I don't even know if I've been doing what I've been called to do. Smith Wigglesworth was in his 50s and was a plumber and discovered that God had called him to ministry. I remember there was a pastor who heard me preach on this, and they went up to one of my employees and said, he can't be serious. And my employee said, yeah, of course he's serious. And my employee said to the pastor, why? He said, well, when I was young, I had a vivid dream of ministering in the Philippines. And I've been pastoring this church for 35 years. And my employee just very wisely looked at him and said, well, sir, what are you going to do about it? Or it was, it was actually a woman. Well, ma'am, what are you going to do about it? And she just walked off. And six months later, he found out she had turned her church over to her associate pastor, who was a man. And she had gone to the Philippines and was having the time of her life. And that's the last we've heard from her. <laughs> and so, no, it's never too late. Well, that is a great note to end this segment on, but we've got plenty more coming up. Um, uh, I want you to be sure to order John Bevere's book, Driven by Eternity, the epic audio theater, which we're going to hear some later, um, Affabel, Window of Eternity, and John's powerful message on CD, the one that God uh Ask him to preach for 18 months everywhere he went, uh, called your place in God's custom house. Well, John says that God doesn't reward as man does. God rewards according to, uh-oh, we're out of time. <laughs> Just a little tease there. Uh, but we are out of time, and so we're going to find out what God rewards according to when we come back. Stay with us. 
Most believers in Messiah believe that they are heaven-bound. But did you know that what we will be doing for all of eternity depends on one key thing? What we do with the cross determines where we're going to spend eternity. Most Christians know that. However, the way we live as believers determines how we're going to spend eternity. Eternity is so long, and so what we're doing now is preparing ourselves for our eternal. God has downloaded to John Bevere truths about our future life in eternity and what we can do now to assure we will receive great rewards in heaven. Call now and get John Bevere's powerful book, Driven by Eternity, and his epic audio theater, Affabel, Window of Eternity, on three audio CDs, plus his life-changing audio CD message entitled, Called, Your Place in God's Custom House. Yours for a donation of $45. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9436. Through John's powerful over 290-page book, Driven by Eternity, he demystifies the afterlife. You will learn that life beyond the final breath is much more than a destination. Discover now how you can make your life count both for today and forever. Your choices today will impact your destiny forever. Find supernatural peace and hope as this book reminds you to align your life with God's higher calling and destiny. The book includes discussion questions for groups study. You will also receive John Bevere's epic audio theater, Affabel, Window of Eternity, on three audio CDs. When you listen to this audio drama, you will feel as if you have been translated into a heavenly dimension. Charity, my dear servant, welcome to my kingdom. I've longed for this moment to meet you in person. A cast of nine Hollywood actors featuring John Rhys Davis from Lord of the Rings and an original musical score by one of Disney's best composers will offer you a window of what lies beyond your earthly reality. This is a perfect gift to give to each of your children, family, and friends. Plus, you will receive John Bevere's life-changing message entitled, Called, Your Place in God's Custom House. Have you felt that tug inside of you insisting that you were destined for something? Through this life-changing message, you will understand that God wrote a story about you before your life began. God longs to see you live this story well. Your unique contribution is critical to the construction of God's house. You have been called and empowered to fulfill God's special purpose and destiny. Sid Roth says, What a powerful anointing on the audio theater, Affabel, the book Driven by Eternity, and the teaching CD entitled Call the anointing, it's going to break through the walls designed by the enemy to prevent you from fulfilling your full destiny and your full reward. Don't miss out on getting John Bevere's powerful book, Driven by Eternity, and his epic audio theater, Affabel, Window of Eternity, on three audio CDs, plus his life-changing audio CD message entitled, Called, Your Place in God's Custom House, yours for a donation of $45. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9436. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural, P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9436 or log on to sidroth.org. Call or write today. Well, I'm back with John Bevere. I know you've been enjoying our uh, chat with John today. And when we went away to break, I left a sentence unfinished that God rewards according to. Uh, give us the answer, John. Okay. God rewards us according to our obedience. You know, um, God says, I don't want sacrifice. I want obedience. And, and so there are things that we know that the Spirit of God will prompt in us that we've seen that God says in the New Testament. 
In other words, if you see somebody that's destitute, somebody that doesn't have something, you know, you don't just walk by them and ignore them. You know, um, you, you speak encouraging, kind words to people that are struggling. You you pray for those that are hurting. You know, there, there's just so much that God exhorts us to do as his children. When we act out those those acts of obedience, we literally will be rewarded. Uh, one of the people that had a glimpse of eternity said that every de- deed, every word, every kind word, every thought that we've had will be rewarded if we only knew that we were building for our eternity. We would live in such a different way. So, yes, we are we're rewarded according to our obedience to the heart desires of God. Uh, in regard to that, uh, I read that you said that you believe that we're going to see far more mothers, business people, secular leaders, uh, folks like that when we get to heaven. We're going to see a lot more of them right on the front lines receiving great rewards because they... Yeah, then we anticipate it because we yes. think the Billy Grahams, the great evangelists, the great pastors are going to get the greatest rewards, but that's not true God rewards not the way man rewards. God rewards according to our obedience. And so if God had called us to do one particular thing and we do it, then we'll be rewarded just as the person that was rewarded and many people saw what he did. So the other thing is, is that God's given all believers equal faith, equal love. And if you look at the parable of the minor, you'll notice that there was one of the servants who multiplied what was given to him ten times. There was another guy who multiplied the one minor five times. The one was given authority over ten cities. The other was given authority over five cities. So they were rewarded to how they multiplied what was entrusted to them. You know, you may be listening right now, and, 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 and you, you have a, a, a genuine passion and calling to be a prayer warrior. You're going to be rewarded as you continue to multiply your influence on people's lives by praying for them. You may have a passion to be a businessman or a businesswoman, and you may be bringing finances in through that gift on your life, but you sit there and go, you know what? I'm going to build the kingdom. I'm going to give extraordinary amounts towards getting this gospel to the ends of the world and making disciples. People don't know about those businessmen and businesswomen, but yet the Bible says the parts of the body that aren't seen are even more valuable. So Jesus sees. When you've given in that offering and nobody else knows, I mean, I'm a preacher. People see me stand before multitudes. They understand, oh, my gosh, he's serving God. When you're a businessman, you're able to serve God with the kind of passion that Donna, you and I serve God. When you've got millions of people listening to this program, you're doing a great job because you know you're touching millions of people. Well, that businessman is touching millions of people when he gives that $100,000 gift to go to missions. And so we build our rewards by giving generously, praying, serving, all these different ways the Bible teaches. So everybody is called to do something different, and it's our obedience to that calling for which we receive the rewards. But I love what you just said. Everybody starts out in the same place. Yep. You know, if my whole body was an eye, I would be a pretty weird-looking guy. (laughs) I wouldn't be able to do hardly anything. We all have different roles. We all have different responsibilities. We all have different functions. We just need to be busy about building the kingdom. John, let me ask you this. Um, We have said this in the program. You minister and preach and teach all over the world to many, many thousands of people all the time. But you have mentioned your staff a couple of times, and uh, they're faithful and they serve. When the rewards are passed out, 
who gets that rewards for the souls that have come into the kingdom the way the kingdom has been built? When David went out to recover what the Amalekites had stolen, 400 men went to the battlefield and 200 men stayed back and guarded the equipment. When they returned, the 400 men thought that the 200 should get nothing because they didn't go to the battlefield. David said, oh, no, no, no. Those who stayed back and guarded the equipment will get rewarded equally with those that went out on the battlefield. And it says it's still a statute today in Israel. And David is a type of Christ. So I believe with all my heart that every soul that Lisa and I touch, every single person on this team, this staff, will receive rewards for it. Every businessman and businesswoman that is given, every, every grandma that is given into Messenger International has given offerings. Every soul we touch, they're going to get credit for it. It's all of us working together as a team, as one body, will be equally rewarded. So the listeners out there, the ones that are called to serve, their obedience to that service is what they'll be rewarded for. And those that are called to give or called to pray, the obedience to that, their calling is where their reward will come from. Not that they're out Correct. there doing the same thing that you're doing. Correct. You know, if I, I, I imagine I could go out right now and start a business and leave ministry and start a business and who knows, maybe do, do pretty well. But I would lose credit for everything because I'm not called to be a businessman. But then I've got friends that are businessmen Mm -hmm. and businesswomen. They're going to get rewarded Mm -hmm. hugely for the way that they were obedient in being businessmen and businesswomen and then giving into the kingdom. Do you know how encouraging that is to me? Because I am not a preacher. I do not want to stand before 10,000 people and preach or teach. But I can serve, I can give, and I can pray, just like our listeners out there. There are many of them that are called to serve and to give and to pray. That, what you just said, is so encouraging and exciting to me. Well, it's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. I feel better already. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, John. We talked a little bit earlier in this uh, broadcast about the epic audio theater, Affabel. And when people hear this, they're going to know why I keep saying the epic audio theater. (laughs) Because this is not just a CD series. It truly is an amazing, amazing piece of work. And it goes along with your book, Driven by Eternity. Uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, the making of this, why you made it, and, uh, and your instructions from God how to share this message. Well, you know, I, I first said, God, how do I share this about eternity and eternal rewards with, with my generation? The Lord said, do what I did, tell a story, and teach around that story. So I started writing the story, and I remember it started out, I thought it was going to be this little short couple-page story. It ends up becoming 82 pages, so it's literally one-third of the book. And I remember when my 18-year-old son read it, or actually he was 20 at the time, 20-year-old son read it. He said, Dad, where did you get this? This has profoundly impacted me. And then other people started calling me. One CEO of a large corporation called me and said, John, my wife and I have spent two, three-hour sessions talking about this story. Where in the world did you get it? It so impacted my life. So when I kept getting reports like this, I felt like the Lord said, go to Hollywood and produce this in an, epic, in, in an audio theater. So I found producers and I found actors in Hollywood that put this thing together. And what happened was nine Hollywood actors and actresses went into a Hollywood studio for six days, and they came out with this. And then we had one of Disney's top scorers uh, score the original soundcast. So it's an audio theater. And what it is is about the kingdom of Aphabel. And Aphabel is ruled by a king named Jalen. And who plays Jalen on the theater that, that people are going to get when they order it from you guys, 
is John Rhys-Davies. He was Gimli on Lord of the Rings. For some of you older folks, if you remember <laughs> Indiana Jones, the first one, remember the guy with the monkey who had the big voice? Indy! Yes. Well, that's John Rhys-Davies, okay? So you were you were really serious about making this something that was, was an amazing piece of work, something like people had never heard before. Uh, yeah. You were serious. I, ha- I have no tolerance for second-class Christian productions because we are representing the king of the universe, and anything we do has to be done with excellence. I agree. And so I thought, I want to get the best actors I can find. The other actors were on movies like Christmas with the Cranks, X-Men. I think one was on uh, Planet of the Apes. But anyway, they went into this theater, and and basically – Appabel is about a reporter who goes, who meets up with this old guy, and they go through a tunnel, and they're immediately transported to another time and another place. And they look down over the field, over the over the valley, and there's this massive city called Appabel. And then this old guy who's in a robe looks at this reporter who is reporting on the war in Afghanistan and says, "Over there, we have the the community of Endel." And he starts explaining that. When people are born in Athabel, they're immediately transported to Endel, where they're raised by the king's nurses and then taught from the age of 5 to 15 about the king's ways. At the age of 15, they graduate from the school of Endel, and they're all given entrustments. And the way they live their lives the next five years in Endel will determine how and where they're going to spend the rest of their life. If they obey the king's laws and live for the king, serving him, they will spend the rest of their life in Athabel. If they disobey the king and live for themselves, they will spend the rest of their life in the desert of alone, which is a horrific uh, place to be. And so we have five students that we focus in on in the school, and they're just about to graduate. The first student's name is Independent. He does not believe that Jalen exists. He is very, uh, very, uh, very much against the teaching, skips the classes, doesn't want to go to the school. Then you've got Deceived. Deceived is somebody who says, I firmly, he's a guy that firmly believed in King Jalen, but he completely lives a disobedient life to King Jalen's ways. Then you've got a, a, a girl named Fainheart. Fainheart is one who truly believes in Jalen, but becomes very bitter because she was slandered and gossiped about, and she literally stays in that place of bitterness and refuses to leave. And then you've got Selfish, who genuinely believes in Jalen, but Selfish kind of lives more of a self, if push comes to shove, a self-seeking life rather than a giving life. And then the fifth one is Charity. And Charity is one who passionately, she's a young girl who passionately loves Jalen and lives to serve him. Well, there's also one of the teachers that we focus in on, and his name is Double Life. And he is one that teaches in the school, but he lives completely contrary to the King Jalen's ways. So the Epic Audio Theater, what happens is we set up their lives and you get really involved in the drama of their lives. And you get to know these guys very personally and intimately. And after the second CD, one night, in the middle of the night, the royal guard from Athabel comes and whisks away about 2,000 of these Endolites and brings them on a three-day journey to the city of Athabel. And what happens is we start now bringing them before King Jalen. And as I said, John Reese davis is King Jalen, and the first one that comes before his judgment, and Donna, I think you're going to share this now with our listeners. Yes, we are. Share the judgment of Independent. Independent is the one, remember, that didn't believe Jalen existed, 
He skipped the classes. He had nothing to do with Jalen, lived a completely self-focused life. You're going to hear him come before King Jalen at this time. Loving and merciful. Loving and merciful. Independent. No father. All is now between you and Jalen. Look up to him. And I suggest you kneel. Yes, of course. All shall recognize and understand that I am he who searches minds and the inmost hearts. And I will give to each of you as your work deserves. Independent, it is time to give an account of your stewardship. Above the huge doors, a beam of pure, white-hot light burst into the great hall. The beam struck a prism of pure crystal above the throne, then split into a thousand colors at the front of the hall. The colors transformed into images, images of Independent and his life. Not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless, to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Nothing is hidden. I don't believe in Jane. What? And I believe that these stories are all part of a myth. No. You need to be set free from this narrow thinking. All of you, find your own truth. Don't be foolish. You all are the fools. And Sages is the great teacher of fools. Even if there was a Jalen, such a king wouldn't be so strict with all these rules. It's all part of the system. Will you stop talking like that? You sound like a lunatic. I have had enough myself. Thank you. I invest as well. Gold trading, merchandise. Business has been good. Life has been good. Jalen would have been proud of me. <laughs> oh, my king. At the least, at the least, my good deeds outweighed my bad. I am ready now to receive your correction. Scribe, is Independence's name found in the Book of Life? No. What? What does this mean? Independent, you are guilty of choosing an evil nature. What? You are to be taken to the forsaken land of Lone to spend the rest of your life in the torment of utter darkness, no. hopelessness, and loneliness. Lord, why? You did not believe in me. Your teachers taught, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. But Lord... There is salvation in and through no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, by and in which we must be saved. But Lord Jalen, what about my good works? Didn't they outweigh any evil I committed? It is not a matter of how little or much you break the law. For the person who keeps every law of Jalen but makes one little slip is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law. How then can anyone be saved? 
Patient, you may address Independent. Did not your teachers tell you Independent? Jalen saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from Jalen. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Long ago, I paid the price for the laws which had been and would be broken by the citizens of Endel. It was impossible for anyone to remain sinless against me or to redeem themselves from their treasons, but because I loved all, I paid the price myself. So my salvation is a gift which cannot be earned. It was impossible to earn enough good deeds to merit citizenship in Aphabel. It comes through believing in me. Yet you rejected what I did to save your life. Then all I did was good for nothing? It is written, The dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. Whatever they did in their lifetime, loving, hating, envying, is all long gone. They no longer have a part in anything. For the evil have no future. Their light will be snuffed out. If only I had listened. But King, King Jalen, you are a merciful king. I was taught that at the school of Endel. Yes, you are full of mercy. I am a merciful king. And that is exactly why I'm sending you away. By choosing to spend your time in Endel the way you did, you permanently chose your nature, that of the Dark Lord Dagon. How could I be merciful, true, and loving if I allowed your immoral character to pollute the purity of this great city? I would put the innocent of Aphabel in harm's way. Your chosen nature would soon manifest and thus corrupt thousands of pure lives. You have chosen. And you will be recompensed exactly as the one you have followed, Dagon. If I gave you any less than I gave him, then I would be an unjust leader. And that I am not. But Lord... He who despises the word will be destroyed. But he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Guardsmen, find him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. No. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Yes. No! You cannot do this to me! Stop! Independent. What are you doing? Where are you taking me? No! Not there! Wow, I'm sure you all thought just as I did. That is truly an amazing piece of work. And Donna, Donna, can I say, can I say this? It's pretty interesting. I, I don't know if the people really recognized it, but 90% of what King Jalen said to Independent, what they just heard, is straight from about seven different versions of Scripture. 
So because Jesus said, remember earlier in the program we talked about, Jesus said, the word that I speak will judge him in that day. I realized that when I was doing setting up these judgment scenes for these individuals, it had to come straight from Scripture. I think that's an amazing way to tell the story as well as the book, as well as your message called. John, will you pray for the listeners before we say goodbye today? Absolutely. You know, first of all, I really feel, Donna, there are people that are listening right now that you're away from God. You, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You're saying, man, I kind of identify with independent. I want to give you a chance right now. Let me tell you something. Jesus died for you. Your creator, the one who made you, actually died for you. That means he loved you so much to die for you before you ever knew him. Now that you have a desire to know him, he's not going to say, oh, you've been a bad boy or a bad girl for 35 years. There's no way. He is, has his arms wide open, and he is ready to welcome you into his family. And so if that's you right now, let me tell you, the only thing you have to do is make the decision you're going to give your entire heart and life to him. Just like when a girl marries a guy. When a girl marries a guy, she says goodbye to all the other guys on the earth. She says, this is the man I'm giving my heart to. That doesn't make her perfect the first week, the first year, the first 30 years. But what it means is she's giving her entire heart, everything, to that man. That's what you're about to do with Jesus Christ. So just pray this with me. Say this, God in heaven, forgive me for living independent of you. This day, I give my spirit, my soul, and my body everything I am, everything I own, everything I, I've done, I give it to you. I am now completely yours. And Jesus, I now proclaim you as my Lord and my master and my king. My life is yours forever. Thank you for saving me, for forgiving me and changing me and bringing me into your family. And now, Father, I just pray for every person that's listening. I pray, Lord, that they would hear your word, hear your voice, hear, know your calling, and move out and begin to multiply in what you've created them to do, and that they would begin to build your glorious house by impacting lives in their world of influence. I pray for an anointing, and I pray for the gifts to manifest in their life and the anointing to enhance those gifts so that they can reach more and more people, whether it's through giving praying, serving, whether it's by reaching them in the marketplace or actually going into ministry in a church atmosphere. Father, let every person know that is listening right now that they are called to full-time ministry. Some of them, that full-time ministry is going to be in the medical field. It's going to be in the educational field. It's going to be in government positions. But they're called to be ambassadors, full-time ambassadors of the great King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ. I bless them in Jesus' name. Father, as they get the book in the audio theater, I pray that you would strengthen your word in their lives and their focus and their calling so that they'll be able to bring you much glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'll say an amen to that as well, John. John, thank you so much for teaching us that life beyond our final breath is much more than just a destination. It's not too late. Only the beginning. <laughs> exactly. And for you out there, it's not too late to make your life count both today and forever. I'm Donna Chavis, and you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our special guest, John Bevere, today. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get John's book, Driven by Eternity, Affabel, Window of Eternity, and John's powerful message on CD called Your Place in God's Custom House. John Bevere brings you the most important message he's ever been given by God in his book, Driven by Eternity.
you'll also receive the epic audio theater, Affable, Window of Eternity, plus a special bonus CD called Your Place in God's Custom House, all for an investment of 45 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for our offer number 9436. Once again, the offer number is 9436.